So I have the pleasure of introducing our final speaker for this afternoon, Dr. Moore. She will be giving our last two lectures. Dr. Moore has been in private practice in Chicago and in the suburbs of Chicago for 20 years and did her dermatology training at Rush University Medical Center in Chicago. She is on the part-time teaching staff in the Department of Dermatology at Rush and the staff dermatologist at the Pigmented Lesion Clinic at Rush. In her private practice, she sees 20% cosmetic patients, 20% minor surgical procedures patients, and 60% general dermatology. So please help us welcome Dr. Moore. I'm just trying to make it so I have a clock up here. <laughs> um, so you guys all get to go to the parade tomorrow, so that'll be fun. <laughs> um, I'm going to first talk about drug eruptions, and then my last lecture, which uh, some of the Illinois Durham PAs have already heard uh, from last year, is uh, bullous, uh, immunobullous diseases. So. Um, as I said, I uh, do teach at Rush. Um, I do have a PA. I have Lauren Greco. <laughs> and that's fun. I love having her. Um, this is uh, my little uh, pride and joy. This is my pug, Lucy Bell. And I, have, um, I do speak for Metasys and Galderma, but I am not going to be speaking about any of their drugs with uh, any of my lectures today. First of all, drug reactions, uh, as we all know, skin is the most common target for adverse drug reactions. And they say that in university programs, 2% of the consultations that they receive in the hospital are for drug reactions. Women, uh, unfortunately, develop them more than men. And as you all know from being on a HEMOC service of some type, those patients are often immunosuppressed and are much more predisposed to drug reactions and unfortunately on many drugs which also make them more likely to get a drug reaction and also makes it very challenging to figure out which drug is causing the problem. This is just the various uh, immunology mechanisms that you can develop reactions from. Some are IgE mediated, some are cytotoxic, Somewhere the immune complex becomes deposited in the vessels or the skin and cause a problem, or they're just actually cell-mediated. Those are very unpredictable uh, problems. The other ones are more predictable if a patient uh, has an overdose, if they have a drug-drug interaction, uh, if you know that it's going to alter their metabolism is altered in some way. So these are uh, more predictable. And then there's the idiosyncratic, that you're just like, it's a fluke. You know, why, why does it happen in some people and not in others? Again, more of the immunosuppressed people and more of the HIV-positive population uh, develop these. Uh, the logical approach when you're going to see somebody with a drug reaction is, first of all, what is the primary lesion? And where are they distributed? Is it symmetrical? Is it asymmetrical? Face, extremities? Uh, are the mucous membranes involved? Is the mouth and the genital area? Do they have other problems? Are they sick? Do they have a fever, lymphadenopathy? Do the, does the rash itch? Does it burn? Um, are there, uh, is their lab work abnormal? Do they have a, any increased eosinophils, white cell count? 
then you have to go through the chart, unfortunately, and you have to look and see what drugs they're on, when they were started in relation to the time the rash came, and sometimes that requires digging up the old chart that is uh, often difficult to find and finding the primary care doctor to tell you some information because sometimes these people don't give us a very good history. Uh, and then you need to know the response, what happens when they remove the drug and if they're rechallenged. Now, I know you get this all the time. The primary doctor says, well, we stopped the drug two days ago and they still have the rash. <laughs> and you're like, yes, yes, they do. Um, so I always tell them it's like a match that you lit and it's just going to go. Um, and then you can also, the, the book that I say at the end of this uh, talk that I think nobody can live without is the, the Lit book, which I'm sure you all have in your offices, hopefully. Uh, unfortunately, this is getting outrageously expensive these days. So that's, this is the dr Drug Eruption and Reaction Manual. So you can look, look, look up any drug, and what's great about it is it doesn't just say rash. It says acne, folliculitis, uh, TEN, it will be very specific on the type of eruption you're going to see with that drug. So the most common is the exanthemous morbilliform type eruption. Uh, this usually occurs 7 to 14 days after the medication has started, and you can even have it develop after the medication has been discontinued. So you develop erythematous macules. They often start on the trunk and upper extremities. They're often symmetrical and they will become confluent. They will just all grow together. And unfortunately, again, on the lower legs, they will look very bad because they will have more of that maroon purple look. Uh, they're often itchy, and patients can have a, a low-grade fever. Uh, and they may have a mild uh, hypersinophilia. So the drugs that are, you're gonna see a, a big pattern here. <laughs> there is uh, mostly, uh, a lot of the same drugs cause the re a lot of the reactions. So the penicillin drugs, the sulfas, cephalosporins, anticonvulsants, and allopurinols. Uh, allopurinol, I'm going to get to in a few minutes, but I often see that be more in the dress category where it, it really takes about a month to see a reaction from allopurinol. I hope this isn't going to fall down. <laughs> um, so. This is a, a good photo of a morbilliform eruption. Again, it's very, it's hard to see here because it's very light pink, but you'll see these areas of sparing, these little white halos here and there. Uh, and then this is also very similar. Uh, we had a lady come in last week with one that she, just like this, and it was from Protonics that she had been put on. Uh, this is a little bit more hemorrhagic looking, but again, just the confluent spots and patients get very alarmed when they see this. This is a similar eruption that will almost look a little bit targetoid, like a erythema multiforme, often all becomes confluent as well, but this isn't, this isn't erythema multiforme, but they do get a little duskier center. And then this is almost like an urticarial welt-like uh, morbilliform eruption, and like I say, these all like to grow together. And Genital area would be involved, but this is a great picture because it'll show the very symmetrical appearance that these patients get with these type of rashes. Urticaria. If anybody likes urticaria, you can see all my urticaria patients. Uh, it is um, the first exposure generates your antibody, so most of the time you're not going to have a reaction the first time. And that's what the patient tells you, but I've done it before. 
and but your body's ready the next time for it. And so I always say the army has been unleashed and it's going to attack the, the chemical it doesn't like. So histamine floods the system, and people get these erythematous, edematous papules and plaques that last usually a few hours. They can last up to 24 hours. If they are lasting longer than that, then you have to think of urticarial vasculitis. And urticarial vasculitis is going to sting or burn rather than itch, like uh, the normal urticaria. And so again, the penicillins, the cephalosporins, uh, always be sure to ask them about um, non-steroidal anti-inflammatories. They don't think that's a drug, but it is. Uh, contrast media. Uh, I had a lady um, using sulfa eye drops that uh, developed this. So I always ask about eye drops and ear drops as well. And this is just perfect urticaria. You'll often see a little white halo around the edges of the uh, erythematous uh, plaques. And if the patient doesn't have anything, as you know, you can just check for dermographism, and they will often welt right up. Uh, again, for urticaria, uh, I, uh, I do not like prednisone or I am steroids. I'm, I'm the antihistamine person. I find that uh, unless they are coming in for like a contact dermatitis like poison ivy, I give them uh, I am steroids because it, I know what caused it. It's a, a, you know, a definite thing and it's going to be removed. But with urticaria, you're just suppressing it with the steroids until they call you a week later. So uh, more on the antihistamine line of things to treat urticaria. And then if I don't have an obvious trigger, I, uh, I do send them to the allergist. Uh, angioedema. This is transient edema in the deep dermis, sub-Q, and often mucosal area. It's 50% um, of the time these folks will have urticaria, but a lot of times it's just this very pale swelling and very frequently asymmetrical. And it can get to the point where they have difficulty swallowing and breathing as it affects the uh, mucous membranes uh, in the larynx and esophagus. Penicillins, non-steroidals, and here this is where the ACE inhibitors, Captopril is pretty famous for doing this uh, for patients. And that's how these folks come in, and it's really alarming. They're in the face is the, the big target. Uh, anaphylaxis, this is where something like this progresses, and uh, they develop hypotension, tachycardia, and it appears usually very fast, uh, more often after the patient has been given some type of IV drug that they uh, uh, are allergic to. These people do need the IV steroids, obviously, and uh, sub-Q epinephrine, uh, and the big ones for this are penicillins and contrast media. Photosensitivity. This is uh, maybe idiopathic, like who the heck knows why. Um, endogenous, the patients may have a, a one of the porphyrin conditions, which I'm not going to talk about, and they're sun sensitive. And then exogenous, and that's the medications. And there's two reactions with that, phototoxic and photoallergic. So um, this is the... Um, the medication uh, one, this is the pseudoporphyria, where the naproxen is probably the biggest one, tetracycline, Lasix, hydrochlorothiazide, and oral contraceptives can cause the blistering on the hands with the scarring, and these folks, their um, urine porphyrins are normal, so you start looking for a drug. Phototoxic is where there's enough drug and enough UV light. 
and they really, it's really an exaggerated sunburn after a shorter than expected time. Obviously on only these sun exposed areas of skin and it heals with hyperpigmentation. Uh, the one that right away, the two big ones for me are doxycycline and naproxen. Um, the fluoroquinolones can do it, amiodarone can do it, obviously sorolins can do it, that's why we use it for, uh, for our PUVA patients, but the big one is for me is doxycycline. Uh, this is one, uh, a patient, again, intense sunburn. You can see some bullae um, right between the breast area here. And this is from methotrexate. So methotrexate is uh, definitely uh, sun sensitive. This is a great case. This is a, notice the lady's big diamond ring. I, I practice in Melrose Park, and it's kind of soprano land there. And uh, <laughs> she had been given um, a branded doxycycline who the rep was in my office this morning talking to me about photosensitivity, and I pulled him into my office and said, I just got to show you this picture, because uh, it was from his drug. Uh, and uh, the primary care doctor had given her this, because my big thing when I give these drugs is I say, you be careful in the sun, especially on top of your hands and top of your feet. And that is where people get burnt, especially when they're in their car driving to Wisconsin for three hours in the sun or Michigan. I see it all the time on the top of the hands, and it does heal with that horrible hyperpigmentation. They're, they're not happy with you. Uh, this is a little different. This is somebody that was on methotrexate um, and took a sulfa drug and had actually gotten um, uh, like sunburnt, and it's the two combinations together. Or even you could see this if somebody hopefully didn't do it, would, would give them PUVA. So methotrexate and sulfa, you never want to give together for this reason, but also because of the uh, decreases the, uh, affects the CBC count on patients. Uh, so they tell you to avoid that. Photoanacholysis, this is also seen in tetracyclines, where it's like the, the nails have been burnt almost, and it often does not affect the thumb. Uh, again, it's the, the first four, the, the fingers are right out there, and they get most of the sun, and they'll come in with this, brownish uh, discoloration and it's like blood and detachment of the nail there. So again the big one for this is tetracyclines, oral contraceptives, uh, the uh, NSAIDs. Uh, photoallergic is a little different. That's a um, hypersensitivity to the allergen um, and activated or produced by the effect of the UV light on the drug or the metabolite. So uh, it's often idiosyncratic and more chronic. These patients often come in with just a pyritic, lichenified rash, but again in the photo distribution. And the big ones for that are thiazides, the sulfa drugs, the NSAIDs, and the anti-malarials can cause the same problem. So these folks, this is more of almost a lichen planus, a lichenoid type eruption. Again, forearms is very big, chest is very big for this. This is a gentleman that has a photoallergic reaction, but they're showing this one because if you look, he's smiling a little too much, but at the oral commissures, it's, it's white, it's sparing. And I think if we spread out his wrinkles on his forehead or on his neck, we'd see white, complete sparing. So that's one thing, obviously, that you look for if somebody, uh, you're thinking of a uh, sun-induced allergy. This is a good example of it. You can see where it's spared underneath the, this person's chin and just affected the chest. 
and this is the top of the hands. So things that stop at the shirt line, uh, the V of the neck, always uh, think for a, a sun reason. And I just put this in here. A lot of these photos are from Bologna, uh, which you're probably all familiar with. But what I thought was interesting about this is the whole, uh, everything is sulfa, sulfur, sulfonamide, sulfones. And this is a, a very good graph because the first two antimicrobials on diuretics, um, they, uh, the, the antibiotic, excuse me, the antibiotics are arelamines, and the other ones are not. So only 10% of the people have a cross allergy with these two groups. And they, they don't know if it's really so much a cross allergy as it is that these people are just the very allergic type people. So you, you can, if need be, possibly put people on these other sulfa drugs, on the non-analamines. Um, uh, recall phenomena. This is just a, uh, this is not radiation recall, but this is where a patient has had prior sunburn or UV uh, exposure and they actually take a drug like methotrexate or ampicillin, and they can get a burning, itching, blistery-type rash at that exact site where they had a bad sunburn at one time. And, or they can have, again, the itching, um, macular, more chronic dermatitis, and that occurs months later. So there are drugs that can do that, and this is actually um, another one from methotrexate that, that caused this one. So the photo distribution area is just a lot more sensitive to a lot of the drugs. Vasculitis, 10% of cases are related to drugs. Um, it's more of a small vessel vasculitis, so it's not going to often be those people with the big purple blistering lesions. Usually send 7 to 10 days after drug ingestion. Uh, dependent areas, of course, and areas of pressure, trauma, so the, the buttock, the lower legs, and it can burn and sting. They can have fevers and myalgias. Obviously, you should remove the offending drug, um, which is uh, oftentimes, uh, uh, I'm going to give you a little list here, but uh, they do say that you should uh, treat with oral steroids, IV steroids, topical steroids. Even some people will treat with um, NSAIDs and colchicine, I've used colchicine for that as well as dapsone. But uh, sometimes it's even the NSAIDs that are causing the eruption. So this is the type of vasculitis. It's just those little teeny um, little dots, the little pink uh, uh, petechial type dots, and not the big uh, hemorrhagic uh, bullet. Again, the vasculitis is the penicillin, sulfa, NSAIDs, cephalosporins. Uh, I guess a little bit different in here is the propothiouracil. It's often reported to cause vasculitis, uh, Lasix, Dilantin. And this is, uh, again, it's these more patchy uh, areas of petechiae. Uh, AGEP. This was, uh, this was not in existence when I was a resident. Uh, we called it, I think, just pustular dermatosis. This is where the patients get um, a febrile illness with these numerous small non-follicular sterile pustules and large areas of erythema and edema, especially the face. It's edematous. And it can spread, starts often on the face and just spreads within hours. And it burns and it can itch. Uh, your differential is pustular psoriasis oftentimes. So you look for a drug history and uh, you can do a biopsy. The biopsy of this shows more, e, more eosinophils and uh, the 
psoriasis would show a little bit more acanthosis, but there are some distinctions on pathology. If, if the patient perchance had a history of psoriasis, then you'd be kind of in a little bit more of a dilemma. Uh, penicillin is a very big one. Ampicillin is the, the one pen that I see probably the most. Cephalosporins, uh, macrolides, deltiazam, antimalarials, uh, Tegretol, Vanco, Doxy. And this is one that you could actually do a patch test for penicillin on these people, and it will often be positive. So this is uh, uh, one of the uh, drug rashes that you can actually do a patch test and possibly get an answer. So you can see this person with these little fine um, yellow studded pustules all over the face. And then on the buttock. And then probably most of impressive is when people get these on the hands and they're often bigger on the hands and kind of pool together a little bit. Uh, and these people get really excellent desquamation later because it's uh, a lot thicker, but you can even see the edema in this person's hands. Uh, sweets, this is not a common drug rash, uh, but sweets is um, obviously acute febrile neutrophilic dermatosis, fever, painful erythematous plaques on the face, upper extremities, and upper trunk. Uh, the drugs that it's seen with probably the most commonly are granulocyte colony stimulating factor and granulocyte macrophage colony stimulating factor and all transretinoic acid. So these are kind of all used more in the oncology community. And these patients often have a very low neutrophil count to begin with. So you really do not see uh, the big neutrophilia in the blood that you would expect in a normal sweets patient. And then you can see it, it has been reported with some drugs like Bactrim, Norfloxacin, Lasix, uh, Celebrex, and Tetracycline. And this is just a typical sweets. I think of those erythematous, boggy, injury, uh, boggy plaques, especially on the face. Uh, and then this is another one, it's almost a little bit more urticarial looking. And the lady with the uh, very necrotic lesions on the face uh, this is the kind I personally have seen more in patients that have bowel disease, Crohn's or ulcerative colitis. Uh, acne form eruptions, uh, these are uh, something I look for in, in patients. I ask them, you know, we always look at their drug history. So lithium is a big drug for this. Uh, I used to... Um, well, I'm going to get to that part. So uh, anyway, so I look for lithium and... Um, you know, any other drugs that the patient might be taking. One common one, is, of course, is uh, steroids, where the patient gets a steroid folliculitis, and often on the chest and the back. So people can get this just with a, a burst of steroids for their asthma or for their chemo treatment. Uh, very, very common. Very pink, uh, pustular, follicular-type lesions. Um, Halogenoderma, this is, uh, I doubt people have seen much of this, but this is where you're exposed to fluorides, bromides, iodides, and iodine-containing products. And it's usually from these products building up in your system. And so it will take years for the eruption to uh, uh, resolve often, excuse me, weeks for the eruption to resolve, and actually years for the product to really be eliminated from their system. Uh, these patients are treated with topical steroids, systemic steroids, diuretics to actually try to get the uh, uh, halogen out of their system, and cyclosporin has also been used. Uh, 
this is what it can look like. It looks almost like a little bit of a sweet syndrome. Uh, and this is, uh, this is probably the most famous case of uh, chloriacne. And I'm going to pronounce this wrong for all you Polish folks. Uh, Viktor Yushchenko. He was uh, the president of the Ukraine in 2004. And from, he said in September, he went to dinner with his uh, enemies and they poisoned him. And in December, he was violently ill and he had this horrible disfigured uh, chloriacne on his face. You can see in the middle picture. And it left him, this, is, this was before, at the time, and then after, where he became very disfigured. I, one of my teachers that I worked with at Rush when I trained, he would always ask patients if they were taking any seaweed, kelp, uh, uh, seaweed salads, or anything, supplements, because that has iodine in it. So I will sometimes ask people that if I can't really figure out why their acne is so bad. Erythema nodosum, that is a bilateral tender erythematous nodules, more, and it's an inflammation of the fat, as we know. Uh, shins and thighs, occasionally forearms, and you can get it elsewhere, but those are the predominant places. And that's where you're looking more for the estrogens, uh, oral contraceptives, sulfonamides, penicillins, and actually the um, bromides and iodides can um, uh, cause it as well. Uh, another time that I have a number of patients with erythema nodosum, which I know is not uh, a drug, but is Bechet's syndrome, which I think is interesting as well. So these folks, you can just see these erythematous tender nodules uh, on the lower legs. Frequently women. I can't tell you the last time I saw it in a gentleman. And then, so to treat this, uh, try to find the drug, obviously. Uh, I try to go more for uh, non-steroidals to treat it. You can use prednisone, uh, and you can use uh, colchicine, but I, I try to find the drug or the etiology and treat with uh, uh, non-steroidals. Uh, DRESS is drug reaction with the eosinophilia and systemic symptoms. So these are the folks that where the rash occurs two to six weeks after the drug is started. And it's a morbilliform eruption, often edema in the face with follicular accentuation. Face, trunk, upper extremities, uh, they don't feel well. They have like an increase in their liver enzymes, arthralgias, lymphadenopathy. They have eosinophilia in their blood, atypical lymphocytosis. So this is where a lot of the uh, seizure drugs come into play, the allopurinol, the sulfa drugs, minocycline, and... Uh, Probably the one that I've seen it the most with is uh, the seizure drugs and allopurinol. So these people are often hospitalized and on IV steroids, topical steroids, and really just removing the, the drug and supportive care for all their other uh, uh, systemic problems. So this is a, a picture from Bologna where this patient just has these edematous, erythematous follicular uh, papules. Fixed drug. I love fixed drug. They're fun. Um, first exposure... Um, the patient can uh, have the, uh, the drug, and maybe one to two weeks after they've gotten it, they would have a, a rash. And then maybe three months later, if they take that drug again, they're going to get the eruption in 24 hours. They like the face, they like the hands, they like the feet, and they really like the genitalia. And sulfonamides are very big, NSAIDs, uh, barbiturates, tetracyclines, and Tegretol. And they have really a classic look. They have that, it looks like a burn on the skin. 
and uh, often a little bit duskier in the center. So again, the genital area, there, that's one on the scrotum, there's one on the thigh. Sometimes gentlemen will come in, show me one on their arm or back, and I say, do you have anything in your genital area? And they're kind of surprised that you know that. But uh, they do, they love this area. And they will, they can even become a bullous or blistering. So you still have to think that when you see a, a blister. But again, both of these have that duskier center. Uh, and then this is what they will often look like when they've healed, even though, I mean, this gentleman looks a little bit darker, but they do like to hyperpigment so that uh, when the patient takes the drug and then they are re-exposed, they will often get a new one, but then the, all the old ones come back in exactly the same spot as well. So a good history helps with that quite a bit. Linear IgA, this is tense blisters for, um, they can occur within 24 hours of taking the drug or two weeks later. And the classic look of this is annular string of pearls. Uh, and it can take a while to resolve, two to five weeks after they stop the medication. So I'm going to talk about this more in my uh, next talk. But this, I love this picture, it's beautiful. It's got the string of pearls right above it and the very tense blisters. Uh, this is a little bit of an older uh, case where uh, they are starting to uh, scab over. This is the list of drugs. This is very, very drug-related. Vanco is probably the one that's been most commonly associated with it. Again, the ACE inhibitors, the NSAIDs, uh, penicillins and cephalosporins, dilantin. There's a whole host of drugs that can cause this. Bullis pemphigoid. Uh, this is not as common a, a drug reaction. Uh, you get tense bullet, as we know. I'm going to talk about that again in the next talk. But what you're looking at, you're going to see this in a younger age person. It's, it's not going to be your 70, 80-year-old that typically gets it. And they are wondering if this may act as a, the drug acts as a trigger to the immune response um, in those that are genetically susceptible, or the drugs may alter the antigenic properties of the basement membrane in some way. So this is just your typical bullous pemphigoid, nice tense and various areas of almost uh, deflating blisters, crusts, scabs. Uh, urticarial bullous pemphigoid is probably one you see a little bit more with uh, drugs. And those drugs are the Lasix, depenicillamine, Cipro, Captopril, Amoxicillin, Spironolactone. So urticarial bullous pemphigoid makes me look a little bit more for a drug. Uh, Pemphigus, uh, this as we know is uh, intraepidermal blisters and erosions. Uh, it can be hard to diagnose just because you're not going to see a great blister a lot of times. And this can occur several weeks to months after the drug has been started. Uh, only 90% of these patients have a positive direct immunofluorescence versus peop normal people with normal pemphigus. Normal pemphigus has almost 100%. Uh, and 70% of them do have circulating antidesmoglein autoantibodies. Um, drugs that contain a thiol group uh, are a little bit more the ones that uh, they feel can trigger this, which is D-penicillamine and Captopril. But again, it's been seen with phenobarb, feldine, uh, penicillin, and cephalosporins. And this is just a, a good picture of some uh, flaccid blisters that have just uh, eroded, again, in the intertriginous area. Erythema multiforme. Uh, erythema multiforme, uh, it, it's all the, uh, the same type of drugs. The sulfonamides are huge, uh, penicillin, the uh, seizure medications. 
And this is where the patients will get that, uh, oftentimes almost a urticarial blistering plaque, often round with the um, dark dusky center, and the center will often be uh, blistering or erosive. So it loves the hands and feet, and uh, the mouth, excuse me, loves the hands and feet and anywhere on the body, often kind of burns or stings. Uh, this is where, you know, this has progressed, and the patient has it uh, in their mucous membranes as well. And uh, the mouth is uh, very big with this. They can get it in the eyes, which is concerning because it can cause scarring. And um, these folks uh, often uh, are in the hospital, and uh, often the debate is giving them steroids or not. I tend to give it to them if they are in fairly good health and uh, they are, uh, the drug is known what caused the problem and if I can do it to them early, give it to them early. This is TEN, uh, I hope nobody has to take care of this. A extensive detachment of full thickness epidermis, uh, it's obviously an adverse drug reaction, multi-organ involvement, early recognition and aggressive management. Uh, sulfonamides are big for this, um, and uh, again, the anticonvulsants, and you get sc um, scattered necrotic keratinocytes at the de-ejection that just causes the, uh, the sloughing then, uh, of the skin. These folks are often have a prodrome of a fever, upper respiratory infection, coughs or throat, and they have burning skin lesions that uh, often start on the face and upper trunk which spread. And the scalp is often spared, but it then does uh, affect the uh, mucous membrane areas. And it takes three weeks for the skin to re-epithelialize. Uh, so this is, uh, again, from Bologna. And uh, this uh, gentleman, you can see the white scarring on his cheeks uh, from when he uh, had the problem. Uh, withdraw offending drug. These, these folks are often in a burn unit. And they have to be watched for renal insufficiency, sepsis, thermoregulation. Their ocular, their eye lesions have to be addressed and uh, kept moist. Uh, you have to cleanse the openings with saline and apply Bacterban. A lot of people use Vaseline gauze, silicone dressings. So uh, if they can get in a burn unit, it's, it's all the better. Uh, some uh, institutions will use IV immunoglobulin. Some won't. Uh, again, some will use steroids early. Some won't. Uh, cyclosporin has been used, plasmapheresis has been used, and cyclophosphamide has been used. Uh, these folks are just susceptible to massive fluid loss, infection, pneumonia, sepsis, and unfortunately a lot of these people are very sick and uh, are on multiple drugs. Uh, those are often the people that get TEN. Pseudolymphoma is kind of interesting. It's benign, and this can start months to years after the drug has been started. And they are erythematous, violaceous papules, plaques, nodules. And it's often associated with lymphadenopathy. And they postulate, they wonder if the drug is depressing the immune function and these uh, lesions develop. Captopril is probably one of the bigger ones, phenobarb, tegretol, um, chlorpromazine. And so this is a photo where you can see these kind of infiltrating pink uh, nodules and plaques, and then a much more confluent, this isn't really appreciated here, but this is almost cobblestone thickened like skin on this uh, a picture that's uh, on the lower uh, part of the screen. 
Uh, anticoagulant skin necrosis, you can see it with warfarin or heparin. Warfarin is often two to five days after uh, the uh, therapy is started when there's a, that uh, uh, protein C dip. And erythematous painful plaques that evolve into hemorrhagic blisters and necrotic ulcers likes dependent sites. It likes this, the breast, the side of the breast, the hips, the buttock. And it's one in 10,000, and these patients are often at a high risk of already having a protein C deficiency. So this is where it's happened just from a heparin injection, and it has this classic look of that necrosis in the center, and then the, uh, that pink at the edge, and even further at the edge, brown. This is uh, also, uh, this is from the warfarin. This looks very much also like renal calciphylaxis. I don't know if any of you folks have had the unfortunate uh, pleasure of taking care of them. They are, those folks are in excruciating pain. Uh, and this is, this is also painful for the patients. Vitamin K, this is, vitamin K, there are various things that make injection site reactions, and this is one of them. And, uh, this case on the, uh, the left is uh, from a textbook, but the one on the right is from a, a patient of mine, and it's really I, I, almost identical. They have this erythema, um, circumference of white, and then a little another red ring. So uh, always ask the patient if they've been injected with something. Serum sickness. These people are often children, and they can have fever, arthralgias, and lymphadenopathy, but it's not like the true serum sickness. They are not really having an immune deposition. They're not having renal problems. Uh, and it can occur one to three weeks after the drug um, has been given. The cephalosporins are probably the biggest, one, biggest cause for this, uh, which explains why children are the ones that uh, develop it. And other things that have been reported are Welbutrin, minocycline, penicillin, and propranolol. Uh, and this is a great picture of what a serum sickness-like eruption would look like, this very vasculitic, uh, almost cryoglobulinemia-looking type eruption. Systemic lupus. Uh, drug, they feel that the drug metabolites and the nuclear histones act as haptons to trigger the complement cascade. And are people that are, are slow acetylators of drugs. And 95% of these folks will have antihistone antibodies, but they will not have uh, double-stranded DNA. But they can get some systemic symptoms along with the uh, uh, skin problem, and a fever, weight loss, uh, lung issues, cardiac issues, and it can even happen one year after they've started the, the drug. And it takes often four to six weeks to resolve, and it can take um, um, you know, six months to 12 months for the ANA to uh, uh, go back to normal. So this is a, a good uh, picture of that, and you can see this patient's erythematous eruption on her cheeks. Uh, this is a patient that had it in the uh, area on her upper back, more sun-exposed-like patches. Uh, so the drugs that can uh, trigger this is, uh, is procainamide, hydrolyzine, chlorpromazine, isoniazid, methyl dopa, propothiouracil, quinidine, dipenicillamine, and minocycline. Uh, I have had uh, about four patients in 20 years not have um, really skin signs of lupus but have the arthritis-type symptoms from the minocycline. So that's something I always warn the patients of when I give them minocycline. 
Um, now with SCLE, that is uh, the subacute cutaneous lupus. They can be anti-Rho and anti-Law positive. This is seen more like with calcium channel blockers and hydrochlorothiazide, Lamisil, Grisio, Interferon. Um, also with the anti-TNF agents like, uh, like uh, Remicade. Um, and those people can have a positive ANA and a positive uh, DNA test. So this is more of what you would see with a subacute cutaneous lupus. So it really, of course, likes the arms and the chest area, almost these urticarial-like patches. Lichen planus, I think if you look every, up every drug in this book, it can say lichenoid drug eruption. So when people come in with lichen planus, I just look to their drugs immediately. And uh, I think all of these are a, a possibility. Uh, they are very common. I see it also a lot, although I didn't really read it, but I see it a lot in practice with the uh, uh, cholesterol medications. So I always am very suspicious of cholesterol medications for lichen planus. And this is your typical lichen planus, the purple polygonal plaques on the back. And this is a perfect uh, picture of a little lichenoid lichen planus lesion. Psoriasis can be triggered by drugs also. Probably the biggest one is interferon, uh, beta blockers, lithium, and plaquenol can uh, aggravate psoriasis. So again, this is just a patient with psoriasis. We all know what that looks like, erythematous silver scales. And this is a, a patient where his psoriasis just flared up uh, after he had been um, given, I think he had been given um, a beta blocker, actually. And this is a, a great patient of mine. He, I had never seen him before. He uh, had been given by the primary care doctor Lamisil for his quote-unquote onychomycosis. And uh, then... The liver, blood, the liver tests were checked, uh, I think, after a couple weeks of taking it, and they were elevated. And so then they checked, uh, they stopped the Lamisil, obviously, and they checked his uh, hepatitis profile, and he was hep C positive. So then they gave him interferon, and this is what happened when he got interferon. He had almost a writer's-like syndrome. He had, like, this pustular psoriasis of the nails where they just literally sloughed off. Uh, he had pustular uh, lesions on the palms, soles, genital area, and then these erythematous, scaly, almost pityriasis, rosy-like plaques on the, on the trunk and neck. And this was all, what I felt was happening was that he really didn't have fungus on his toenails, that he had psoriasis on his toenails. So he probably had always had a little underlying psoriasis, and that when he was given this interferon, it just exploded. So he was really interesting. Uh, Drug-induced alopecia, uh, obviously the uh, chemotherapy drugs can cause it, but I just put this up here because uh, I see a lot of uh, thinning hair from Coumadin. That's a big one for me. Obviously the beta, beta blockers, um, lisinopril is one that's big for me. They talk about ACE inhibitors here. The lithium, the retinoids like Accutane. So. Uh, Always look at the drugs uh, for a possible cause of the patient's hair thinning. And hypertrichosis, this is not hirsutism. This is where the patient um, is getting, uh, they'll, they'll see the hair on the sides of the forehead, a little bit more on the sides of the face, the jawline. And um, this is reversible uh, hair growth. And probably the biggest drugs that we're familiar with are the patients that are 
getting too much minoxidil on their face. Uh, the dilantin and the cyclosporin, those are probably the, the big ones that you see this from. But it also has been reported in these other drugs. Pigmentary changes. This is huge for drugs. Uh, this is obviously a young lady with melasma, which we see tons of on her forehead, and always ask about the oral contraceptives, obviously. Uh, the person to the right is another uh, minocycline problem where the patients uh, develop, uh, usually for me, it's when they have trauma. They have a bruise or an injury on the legs, and they get that purple patch that does not go away. So when I give minocycline, which I give tons of it, I have that on my list of things. If you get any purple spots that don't go away on your legs, let me know. Uh, because unfortunately, I've had people tell me like a couple years after they've had them, and they are really going to be hanging around for a long time. And they're, all, they're circular like this. Um, I have also seen this bluish pigmentation on the legs from um, Plaquenil, but it's definitely a much more of a, a confluent uh, bluish color all down the shin. Uh, whereas with minocycline, it is circular. This is from amiodarone. This is that uh, slate gray bluish pigmentation from amiodarone. Uh, this, uh, probably if you're old enough, you've seen. Uh, I'm 50 years old, so when I was in uh, grade school, you would see kids uh, with the uh, tetracycline stains on the teeth. And you just fortunately don't see that anymore at all. But this is... Uh, the reason you don't give tetracycline, obviously, in, in kids under 10. Uh, this is also this bluish-gray pigmentation you can see from Plaquenil. Uh, and then reactions to HIV drugs. Uh, lipodystrophy, obviously, is one of the more common things nowadays. That's why they've invented Sculptra and Radius for our wrinkles, is because of lipoatrophy. And AZT, the protease inhibitors, uh, they all can cause this. Uh, this is this brownish pigmentation of the nails associated with AZT. Uh, and then most commonly for chemo drugs is uh, the new EGFR inhibitors. And Herbitux, um, Aresa, and Tarceva are probably the, the big ones, although I'm told they're not using um, Aresa very much anymore. And the acneform eruption that occurs with this is about 50% of the cases, especially with Herbitux and Tarceva. And it usually starts in one week. It can start in two days or it can start in six weeks. And it, does, it is affected by an increased dose. So the more medication you're taking, the more apt you are to have the problem. Face, scalp, chest, all, that, all the seborrhea areas can be affected. These people often do not have any, they were not the kids that had bad acne. And these are sterile pustules. They're not infectious. And this is best treated with, uh, usually I use doxycycline. Uh, I kind of make up a cleosin lotion uh, mixture with a little hydrocortisone for these patients to use, which works great because they're often really given more drying agents by the primary doctor, and these people are so dry and peely. And it was felt initially that the worse your reaction is, the better the chemo is going to work. And then there's been some studies since then that have, you know, disputed that. There's many that said it worked better. And uh, I think sometimes when these patients feel like they look horrible, it's nice to say, well, but you're going to get really good results with your cancer. So paronychia, this is in about 10 to 15% of these patients. Uh, it usually develops in 48 weeks. Uh, topical steroids, people do benefit from topical antibiotics and, and Doxycycline is the anti-inflammatory effect, even though it's 
um, not infectious. And this, as you know, is also a, a, one of the great side effects, uh, perinicias and such, for um, the retinoids. Uh, xerosis, 35% of the patients can develop this. Uh, and they get it often on the fingers where they get the uh, slits and cracks. And they also can get it um, a great deal where they've had their acne uh, eruption that is usually resolved by then. And trichomegaly, this is infrequent, but this is where they get very long eyelashes, and that occurs two to five months after they've started the therapy. And I think I had about four more slides. This is what they call uh, um, flagellate uh, hyperpigmentation from uh, IV bleomycin. And this is where patients have scratched or uh, areas of pressure, and they get this hyperpigmentation, especially uh, the scratching uh, triggers it. Uh, this is neutrophilic eccrine hydratinitis. This is um, often seen in patients with um, acute myelocytic leukemia who are receiving um, cytarabine, cyclophosphamide, methotrexate, or uh, granulocyte colony stimulating factor. So this is where you have a neutrophilic inflammation of the eccrine glands. And acryl erythema is seen uh, a great deal um, with many chemo drugs. Um, Cytarabine, 5-FU, methotrexate, cisplatinum. And um, they really want to call it erythrodesthesia now because uh, these patients get it on the palms and fingertips, the dorsal hands, and they often have burning, stinging, tingling. And uh, they... Uh, We'll treat a lot of these folks with um, uh, vitamin B6 for the uh, stinging and burning. Uh, and this is just a great picture I had of uh, um, nitrogen mustard that had been injected, and it left a hyperpigmentation right down the vein. So, uh, and this is uh, high, a uh, ulcer on the ankle that is from hydroxyurea, which is a very common thing you can see with that chemo drug as well. And uh, I to already told you all about this DERM uh, book. I'm sure if you're not familiar with it, I'm happy to tell you about it. I always say don't leave home without it. And I think that's it. So thank you for your attention. I'll try to answer any questions. I don't think that's on. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know. I have about four or five patients with lichen planus that are on Zocor, and I was interested in what you said about um, your your correlation with um, the cholesterol medications. Uh -huh. um, and I know in Litz it does say that it can cause lichen planus. Uh -huh. Or how long, if you stop that offending agent, does it take for that to clear? Because I've had some people off of it for a couple months, and it's still yeah not. You know, better. that's you're very right with that because, I mean, in that, the other thing about for me with the cholesterol medicines is I feel like they can be on them six, year, six months to a year or two and still get those reactions. Um, I try to change it, but I have had the same experience that uh, uh, I sometimes am not as aggressive about changing the cholesterol medicines because it just seems like, I don't know if it just triggered something or unmasked something that they were going to get anyway, but I have had the same problem that with the cholesterol medicines, it really likes to persist. 
So I call, I talk to the primary doctor and say, we can try this if it's just like you're just giving it to them for their borderline, but if they really need it, I, I, I usually don't stop it. Thank you. Yeah. In general, how many weeks do you recommend being off a of medication to determine if that's the offending cause of the rash? You know, I say definitely a month. I mean, absolutely a month. Um, and if, if people are improving in a month but it's not completely gone, I, I'm very encouraged by that. I'm not like saying, oh, well, you know, that isn't the cause. But I know we've all had patients that are like, well, I, I stopped it for two days and I still have the rash, you know. Right. So, and I also feel that not only do you have to stop the medication, but you should treat the patient. Treat the rash that is there already. You know, treat it with topical steroids or, you know, if they have lichen planus, you know, phototherapy. Uh, because you have to get rid of what they already have. And I'm, I know all of you, but I, if you have the same problem with the primary doctors I have, when people have a rash, I say put something on their skin. <laughs> How many people do you see with a rash and they have come in and they've been given Atarax? Nothing has been given to be put on their skin. It just kills me. So uh, that's what I say. When you see a patient for the first time and they have, you think that it's a drug eruption, mm -hmm. and say they're on a beta blocker or an ACE, um, like polypharmacy, maybe mm -hmm. a cholesterol-lowering agent, what would be the first medication that you would start with to eliminate? Well, I'd look in this book and see what's going to be the most susceptible, most possible. And then I usually call the primary care doctor and say, I, I really try to would take them off. He said, well, I, want them, I, I need them on these one of these three. I would say, okay, let's leave them on this one and stop that. So you kind of have to bargain a little bit. Um, the one that I see a lot of rashes with that I get the most flack from is Plavix. I don't know if you guys have, I see a significant number of Plavix rashes. And primary don't believe me, but now I'm really a lot more convinced because I, I see quite a few of them. Thank you. Mm -hmm. any, any pearls for teasing through, like in the case of a morbilliform or a macular papular eruption? between a uh, viral and a drug eruption. I've had recent experience with a kiddo that I was convinced clinically probably had roseola, mm -hmm. but because of an otitis, media was started on a cephalosporin a few days earlier. Mm -hmm. So then I see him and have to kind of sort out, is this roseola, yeah. and this is just the rash with it, or a drug eruption, so. Well, obviously, usually viral, they don't itch. Exactly. You know, so, and um, that's, that's usually the case with that. And I'm fortunate that I don't see children. Uh, <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, that's hard. I mean, because you'll see adults, uh, you'll see teenagers say, well, I'm allergic to penicillin. And the mom says, well, you know, he had a, a viral infection at the same time. So it would be nice to have a really definitive way because those people are pegged with that uh, allergy the rest of their life. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I, I was so hesitant to withdraw it because I was so convinced clinically. And again, the lack of puritis and mm -hmm. that, I just was wondering if maybe I... You know, it's almost like if you could do a re-challenge uh, with an allergist or something. But I, I think for me, the only, unless you let, unless the kid lets you do a biopsy, which is not going to be fun. So I, I agree. I would kind of go with the, the itch factor and, and sometimes how long it lasts. I mean, a drug rash is going to last oftentimes longer than a viral exanthem. So, uh, One scenario that happens a lot is uh, you're getting ready to prescribe Bactrim for a patient and you say, have you ever had a, any kind of sulfur, reaction to sulfur drugs? And they say, no, but my mom did. Can you give me a, your insight into familial uh, links and what you're supposed to think about in that situation? You know, 
I've talked to the allergists about that, and they, you know, they don't, uh, they don't try, they, they really try to steer away from that. And the other thing is I've had people um, that I've wanted to give Dapsone to, and uh, they're allergic to sulfonamides, and um, Dapsone is a sulfone. And I've had two people that I, again, send them to the allergist and uh, everything, but I w have been able to give them Dapsone even though they're allergic to sulfonamides. So, and, and with the family history thing, I, I agree with you. That's a big, I think the bigger problem is you're not going to let a parent, a parent's not going to let you do it no matter what. <laughs> you know, if it's, if it's their kid, they're like, they just won't, they won't give it to them. Um, so I think it's down to more of a concern when you really need to give them a drug. It's like, okay, you absolutely need to do this, but I, I uh, don't feel that it's a related thing with the families. That's what my allergist has told me at least. So, mm -hmm. uh, When you're dealing with your elderly patient, polypharmacy comes in with a drug rash. Um, for symptomatic relief, I know we're giving the topical steroids. Are you giving short courses of oral prednisone? And also, as you're searching for the right drug to take away, how many months do you give it before you say, that wasn't the right one, we have to try another one? Yeah, I def if I know that it's a drug and they're really uncomfortable, yeah, I, I definitely give them some uh, short course of steroids. I'm kind of an IM catalog person. I hate Medrol dose packs. Hate them, hate them, hate them. So if I'm going to give them oral steroids, I'll do it for you know, like a 10 or 14 day course. Uh, and, um, you know, if, uh, if after a month of them being off something and I've, and I've treated them, the problem is you'll treat them and they will get better. And if they flare back up off that drug, then I'm, I'm wrong, <laughs> so. Have you ever seen um, lichen planus that you think was caused by Chantix, the smoking cessation drug? Um, I haven't, but I haven't seen a lot of that. I haven't seen a lot of people on that medicine. Okay. No, I don't know. That that makes people get bad at nightmares, doesn't it? I think it does. That <laughs> people don't like taking it for. Whenever I say something about that to patients, they go, "I don't want to have the bad nightmares." I'm like, "Okay." So I don't know. Did you look in this book at all? I haven't. I, I okay. Don't have an one, I'll look so at it when we get done. 